Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Hi, this is Margie Lane, um, and this is Publishing Lane. I'm the Executive Director of Write Integrity Press, and I've just been joined with my dog. So if you hear any weird little beeps or something, it's him pressing on my keyboard. I am so glad that you're joining us tonight. This is a season of thankfulness. Um, I just, oh gosh, I love this season. Fall is my absolute favorite time of year. And I'm so grateful to the Lord for allowing me to have such an amazing job. I mean, I love my job. I have just past my one-year anniversary on my job, and I'm so excited to uh, to be able to do what I do all day. I also appreciate the writers, the authors at Write Integrity Press. These folks are not only outstanding writers, they are generous, they are encouraging, they, they pray for one another, they pray for me, they focus on following the Lord with all their heart. I cannot tell you how blessed I feel to be working with them and how and getting to read their amazing books. Oh my gosh, this month's release is certainly no exception when it comes to amazing. Um, Our book for for the month is The Proper Care and Feeding of Singles, and it gives an inside Uh, An inside look to the challenges that today's singles face. Um, It it gives suggestions of how pastors and um, ministry leaders and just married people in general can nurture and encourage the solo members of the body around them, the body of Christ. I got to tell you, I think this is a must-have, especially for singles ministers. Um, It's a must-have for anyone working with widows or widower ministries. Um, or working with college students, the same the same situation. Ruth Buchanan is the author, and she's new to Write Integrity Press, but boy, she fits right in. And I am delighted that she got to join us. I think her book is going to open some eyes to a new way of looking at singles within the church family. Oh, and, and before I go any further, happy release day, Ruth. I'm sharing that. I'm throwing it out to you. Today is the launch day of proper care and feeding of singles. So celebrate with Ruth. Um, also this week, we've got something else special this week. We have a powerful book of worship and praise through the most difficult of times. Um, it's on sale for only 99 cents. Toda. Toda is the Hebrew word for Thanksgiving, and that's T-O-W-D-A-H. Um, it's the Hebrew word for Thanksgiving. The author, Cheryl Holmes, shows her gratitude for the Lord, even in the midst of an incredible trial of cancer. 
um, I know a lot of people deal with cancer, either with careta caretaking for folks that have cancer or actually going through that horrible disease themselves. This is so full of hope. It's so full of gratitude. It's so eye-opening to what God is actually doing as he trains different people as they're going through this, this terrible cancer, this terrible disease, the C word. The ebook this week is only 50 is at 50% off on Amazon and it's just the ebook but it is part of our we love our readers sale and so we have a book a week every single week that is um, part of our we love our readers sale you don't want to miss any of those in fact You'll be getting, uh, if, if you want to be on our, our newsletter list, you'll be getting one newsletter just to let you know what book is on sale every single week, give you a link to that. It also, our newsletter also gives a little bit of insight to our authors, which is a lot of fun because some of them write some really cute little articles. Um, very, very short, very to the point, but very worthwhile if you're interested, especially in getting some bargains on some outstanding books. Uh, let me tell you some of the books that are on sale just this month. In addition to Toda, um, we I picked out some books particularly that are good for this season, the season of Thanksgiving, the season of family. Um, of, I don't know about your family, but my family get together and we have a bellyache of too much laughter and too much food. And so I chose a book that had that kind of a situation too. So the first book, of course, is Toda, and the second book is Prayer, It's Not About You. It's by Harriet E. Michaels, um, and this is coming up this coming Sunday. It'll be on sale for 99 cents for a solid week, um, but you don't want to forget about it, so make sure you sign up for our newsletters. The week after that will be Amelia's Legacy. It's a historical novel by Betty Owens Thomason, and I just love the way that she knits together her books. It's, it's like poetry. It's so beautiful the way she writes. Them. Um, and finally, and here's where it comes to the too much food and too much laughter, Deborah D. Harper is hysterical, and her book, Misstep, will round out um, the month of November. And then, of course, we have brand new books for, for December and on through the year, so you'll want to get on our newsletter list. If you go to writeintegrity.com, and that's write, W-R-I-T-E, writeintegrity.com, you will, right on the very front page, you'll see a little sign-up for um, our for our uh, email tree and so go ahead and make sure you get on that our little email list the newsletters go out on Sundays just so you won't miss the sales and you don't want to miss them like I said but speaking of authors because our authors write little, little articles that are really cute but speaking of authors let me tell you the last few months we have been talking with Faye Lamb and she is one of our authors she is, has a popular romance series that is the Ties That Bind series. She has an intense romantic suspense series of Amazing Grace. Um, she has a new series coming out that I'll talk to you about uh, later. But she also is the author of, um, of a nonfiction that is all about writing, that gets deep into deep POV, gets deep into characters. The very topic that we're talking about tonight, plotting and pacing, she is a master at. Hi, Faye! Hi, Margie. Happy November. Thank you. Now, the Amazing Grace series that I just mentioned, um, the, that is an intense romance, romantic suspense series. And it's just been completed. Is that the first series you've ever completed, Faye? That's my first completed series. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a fun <laughs> feeling? I have to tell you, I was, I was, 
it, it's fun. I was self uh, pub self publishing. I was indie publishing a series, a little mystery series. And before I ever started with Right Integrity um, last year, I, I published it a couple of years ago, and I just put out the last book of it. Uh, I guess it was last month, and it's downright giddy. I feel downright giddy. Have even even better than finishing my very first book. Even better than having my first book traditionally published. It was just so much fun. Did you feel that? Did you feel that kind of giddy? I did. I always knew that at Frozen Notes it would be the end of the series because I have some characters, two characters that have been the only reoccurring characters. And it gets to shed, Frozen Notes sheds a little bit of light on how they're connected um, into this town called Amazing Grace. And I, I do miss them. I was excited um, to get to the end of it, but I missed my my characters there and i'm thinking that i might go back to a little town from my novel better than revenge it was called ascension north carolina and there's a guy uh -huh. named kip and he was a he was a big help to the hero in better than revenge and i'm thinking kip needs a little romance uh sounds like your characters are talking to you is he got his hand up saying my turn yes he does <laughs> he has for a while <laughs> They they do that. They do that. Okay, but then you have an, the other series, and I love, I love your romance series. I'm telling you, the, the first book that I had read out of it was Hope, and I just wept. It was so good. Speaking of going through cancer, oh. that was so real. Um, but it has one more book in it, right? Right? Yes, Yes, it does. It's Delilah. Delilah, oh. you will you will meet Delilah if you read the first book, Sharice. And Delilah uh -huh. was, when people would start to read the book, I would get notes and, and people would ask me and they say, does Delilah get her comeuppance? And I'd say, well, you'll <laughs> see what happens to Delilah, to Delilah. Then they would write me and they would want, they would, they want to know more about Delilah's story. Never thought I'd write her. And when I contracted the series, I was told you can have the contract, but it comes with the fourth book, and that's got to be Delilah's story. Oh. So I, and, and it was it was from heaven above because as I've been working on Dee's story, I call her Dee. She's my pal. Um, uh -huh. I've just learned just how deeply the ties that bind this eclectic family go, and it's just been so exciting for me to see that in my that my brain has fashioned this and that the lord has given me such a story that it was so deep that i could never have imagined it when i was writing sharice way back when wow i love it the way he does that and the way he works it yeah. together but then you have yeah. your next book which is the first of a brand new series and boy is this one good this is Storms in Serenity, and it's the first book of the Serenity Key series set in the Gulf Coast of Florida. And it's kind of a, kind of a romance, but it's really epic. It's almost like a soap opera, but not in a bad way, in a good way, because the characters are just so rich. What genre would you actually characterize this story? I kind of stay on the safe side, and with this one, I refer to it as contemporary fiction. It's got a little bit of something for every person that reads in different genres. I have some romance. I have some suspense. 
I just have women's issues, men's issues. There's just something for everyone in the story because it's an it's overall a modern day retelling of the aftermath of King David's sin with Bathsheba. And I've never published anything like this, but this story has been in the making for many, many years, even from my teenage years. I was writing vignettes on the story. Oh so my I'm gosh. I'm excited about it. <laughs> well, I'm excited about it too. But this, okay, so this has been kind of like the story you've learned on then, hasn't it? If it's gone back yes, so far. It is. It's the one that when I really got serious about writing, I realized that it was the story of my heart and it was the one that I, if it never got published, at least I was going to learn some things in writing it. And I'm just so thankful that, that you've contracted it and that it's going to be published. I'm thankful too. <laughs> I am so excited <laughs> about that book. And it'll be releasing the very first Tuesday in March. Now, I know that sounds like a long time away, but it'll be here in moments. I'm telling you, does this time of year seem to fly for you too, Faye? It has been. We've, my husband said between June and um, right now, it seems like we have been working on things on projects for months, but it's only been weeks. And now I find myself looking at Thanksgiving, and I'm just now thinking about pulling out the the, the china and getting the silver uh. ready, and seeing what kids are going to go where and what we're going to do. And <laughs> yeah, after that, I'll take it day by day, and I'm going to enjoy the season. Well, I'm I'm telling you, I was just looking at my calendar, and was figuring out now we don't actually have Thanksgiving at my house. We actually go out to my brother's house. Thankfully he takes care of that part of it. But I was just looking at my calendar, trying to figure out, okay, when are we going to decorate and when are we going to do this and when are we going to do that? And I'm just getting excited about it. I, I love mm -hmm. this season of the year. Part of the reason I like fall so much is because it's the, it's kind of the anticipation for all the fun stuff. Um, because my favorite seasons are fall, winter, and spring. Summer, not so much. And so I always like the fall because it's the one right after summer. <laughs> I, have, I have the longest to wait before the season I don't like. Um, well, I am so glad also to have you back. And now, listeners, if you didn't know, if you don't know about this, Faye is an incredibly sought-after freelance editor. I mean, paying for her services, it, she's not overly expensive don't get me wrong she is outstanding in that as well but people pay for her services and here you are you're getting it all for free you get to listen to all of her expertise in this now originally when we when she and I first started talking I had thought about just having this be a little um a little piece about self-editing but she urged me to start with the elements of the story because those are the important parts um, we started this topic back in September pouring through the main element elements of a story and I love the way she has to describe the elements of a story um, so if you're an author and you're thinking of sending your story to editors or agents you will have a much harder time placing your story with them if you're missing any of the elements. And so I want to go back over them and I want to let Faye describe them because she has such a cute way of describing them and they really stick with you too. So, all right, Faye, give it to us. What are these, that car comparison that you did? What are the main elements of a story? Well, I look at my story as if, if it's a car, but 
and then I look at the elements and I, and I go with plot. Plot is our first element. It's the vehicle that actually moves the story forward. Then you come in with pacing and pacing is then the element that is your accelerator or your decelerator on your vehicle. But notice my story element vehicle never has a break. And we're going to talk about a little about that at another point, um, especially when we talk in, about pacing tonight. We're not going to spend tonight, yeah. time on that break, but we're talking pacing tonight. The other element is conflict, and that's the fuel for your vehicle. Without conflict, the vehicle or the plot really, it doesn't go anywhere. Your reader will feel as if they've gotten out of the car and have to push the story forward just to get where they're going. Then in the final car analogy, we have the people who are driving the vehicle. Those are your characters. With characters, I also include some sub-elements like description. Um, description um, should always come through your characters and never from an omniscient point of view. We spoke about that and, and I think the first night right. that we spoke that um, right, and that was our that, September one, yeah. Yes, and that brings us to the elements that, that add to the plot vehicle, the pacing, the conflict, and the character. And the first of those is point of view. We spoke about that last month. Um, mm -hmm. And I always add to this, I always add it, the deeper the point of view, the better. And we talked about that last week because the deeper your, your reader gets into your character's point of view, that character becomes a camera lens. And that's the difference between your reader listening to you telling them a story and you seeing that movie play in your mind as a reader. You want that movie to play in your reader's mind. Um, right. And then we have showing and telling. And if you know your deep point of view, you will. it will be very hard for you to tell rather than to show because it will stick out so boldly that you'll have to go in and correct it when you're editing. Um, there's little signs for every author that tells us that, that um, the reader's either sitting and listening or they're being a part of that movie in their head. And those are telling words and uh, things that just, um, they just stand out so much because deep point of view really draws that reader into the story. And they're easily jarred if you don't show rather than tell. And the last uh -huh. element we're going to talk to, uh, talk about, or we'll get to along with conflict, I believe we, we were mentioning that, is going to be yeah. dialogue. And dialogue is my favorite. I love dialogue. I love to get my oh. characters talking. <laughs> well, and, and we'll be doing the talking dialogue. Um, like you said, we're going to be doing dialogue next month. That's December. Um, I think it falls on December 5th. For those of y'all listening, y'all want to check back. Um, but it's the very first Tuesday of December. We'll be talking about dialogue, and we'll also be talking about that gas conflict, the gasoline yeah. um, for the for the for the car, for the plot that's going to make it move forward. Um, I can't wait to talk about both of those. Yes, those are going to be fun. Just to give you a rehash, in September, our topic was character. We kind of went over all of the elements a little deeper, uh, but but we did talk really deeply into character. We talked about how to set your characters up, how to make them think, um, how to carve them out of flesh instead of cardboard. Because characters, 
characters that are cardboard are just so boring. And so you'll want to listen to our September show to get all of those details about how to build up rich characters, characters that are memorable. Seriously, the books that are the best books, the ones that stay in your mind the best, are those in which the characters have become part of you. And so if you want your story to become to be favorites with other people, you're going to want your characters to be easily put on by the reader. And so you'll want to know how to build, how to build your character um, first from September. And then in October, like Faye was saying, we discussed point of view and how to deepen your characters, how to make them real. And that's really important to allow the, the way I put it is it allows the reader to, to put on the skin of your main character, um, whoever is the point of view character in the scene, it allows the reader to actually put on their skin and live through the scene as the character, um, thinking and seeing only what that character can think and see. And so that's really important. And that is the October show. Um, we also talked about showing instead of telling and all of that goes together. Um, and then today we're talking about, so we've got, let's see, the December show, and we talked about the September show, and we talked about the October show. So today, drum roll, today we're going to focus on the car itself. Today we're going to focus on the plot. Um, when I taught a beginning creative writing class, gosh, years and years ago, um, this was for middle schoolers, I defined the plot in really basic points. But it, it, it actually is there. And so forgive me for using my very elementary lingo here, but at the beginning of the story, you basically reveal a problem for the main character. The main character has to have an issue. At the end of the story, you resolve that problem, the problem that you initiated in the beginning. You don't want to resolve that problem too early because then everything else is just tacked on. But you don't want to fail to resolve that problem somehow. It doesn't necessarily have to be a happy ending. Well, it does if you want me to like the book, but it doesn't have to be a happy ending. Um, it just has to have some kind of a resolution to it. Then as you're going through the story, you'll have other problems, other little problem here, little problem there. Those are called subplots. And you'll have those coming in and out, but the main issue is like a is like an on like a long frisbee throw. It goes the whole way from the beginning of the story to, to to almost the end of the story. While the other problems can be resolved early, the main problem has to stretch to the end. Um, I think of the progression here. The, the picture in my mind and the picture that I actually showed my students at this time. I actually did a flip book. I I couldn't even couldn't even recreate that if I tried but I did a flip book that was a little movie where um, a stick figure was walking across a path and a mountain is in the middle of the path and the stick figure can't you know like the uh, going on a bear hunt thing that can't go around it can't go through it has to go over it so the stick figure is faced with a problem there's a mountain in the way and so the stick figure makes the decision to now go up the mountain, go over the mountain is what they're going to do. And so as they are, as the stick figure is walking over the mountain, that's the problem. That's the main problem. Then there are other little problems that, that the stick figure encounters. Um, falling rocks, 
animals, snakes maybe, the tension mounts as he gets near the summit, which is the very top, the apex. The apex is also the apex of the story, which I had a highly technical name for, the most exciting part. Yeah, I know. The MEP is what I called it with my kids so that they would remember it. And that most exciting part, he gets to the very top of the mountain. He's stepping over the peak, and he's stepping into a cliff that he doesn't know is there. And that's the most exciting part in the little picture that I that I drew for him. Um, the resolution to the problem, I, I know that's really goofy, but the resolution to the problem is he steps off the mountain onto a platform, and just like a... a an elevator the platform lowers him back to ground level and he's now on the other side of the mountain where he can go on his way all that is called falling action it's after the most exciting part and the falling action of the plot is where the reader gets to breathe again and and things are going to be okay or not and the resolution comes through now i know that my little picture image and my, my little uh, words for it and everything is really elementary. But your, your plot basically has to have some over, an overarching problem. Otherwise, it's going to feel like your characters don't have a car at all. They're just pedestrians. Wouldn't you agree with me, Faye? I do agree. And I, I like your, what you're so-calling your elementary way of thinking. I, I have read books <laughs> deep thinking writers who have tried to present their deep thinking onto the page and they've lost me. I oh, like gosh. James Scott Bell. I am a James Scott Bell fan. Oh, I like him too. Simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like and, him and too. I, I got to see him. one of him in one of the workshops and I loved that. I loved that. I think we were together in that workshop. <laughs> were we? In, oh my gosh, that's funny. I think you might be right. He's good. Yeah, he's good. He he's very good. Um, and someday I could tell you some. I could share some James Scott Bell stories from that from that very conference. But I I like your elementary way of thinking because what we're talking about today and right now is the plot. And you, if you notice what you said as you were talking about everything, that plot is really not separate from conflict. Even though we're going yeah. to talk about conflict next week, you next really week, uh -huh. cannot separate that plot from that conflict. And when, when I think of the plot, the vehicle's always climbing that mountain you talked about. Every scene is built upon one stage of the conflict after another. In other uh -huh. words, as the car climbs, the stakes get a little higher for the passengers. And you talked about subplots. I think of those subplots as maybe mountainside roads. And uh -huh. they, at some point, even our subplots may be seeming to weave away from the, from the road you're on, and they might even appear to be separate altogether. But at some point in your novel, those subplots have to converge on that mountain road. And they have mm -hmm. the reader has to see them coming together. Um, have you, I don't know. This is not really a movie that I recommend for you unless you've really got uh, a constitution for language and such things. But L.A. Confidential was a movie that had three different characters, three different 
subplot uh, line, and they all oh, converge wow. at the end. And it's a very well-written story, but the language and the other things in it, I don't recommend if you're very sensitive to it. Um, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, though. I got one, I got another movie that's a lot like that from what you're saying. We just watched okay. for our college Bible study, we just watched God's Not Dead. I know that sounds crazy, but God's Not Dead, there's, there are characters, and each of them have all these different plot lines, and they all come together at the end of the movie. They all come together where the plot comes, the plot actually comes back together uh, toward the, at the very end of the movie, and it's really cool the way that they weave it together. Yes. So if you're if you want a movie to watch, watch Margie's recommendation and not my recommendation because <laughs> I really don't. I, I I think of these things that I've seen and because they stuck stuck in my head so much, and I had to actually watch L.A. Confidential three times to figure out what was going on, and then I went, oh, they're all one story. So that's but if God, oh, wow. if God's not dead as much like that, I have not seen that one yet. If it's like that, I would I would probably um, rather you watch that one. Um, like I said, the subplots are not independent of the main plot. Usually they, they pretty much come in and wrap up with the main plot. Sometimes they can stop before or after the main plot, but they generally have to tie in together. Um, uh -huh. then, then you're going to come to that point in the mountain where the characters in the plot car are probably looking over the sides um, at, the, at the mountain cliff and they realize that they're in danger. They've either got to go back down to safety or press forward to get to safety. You never want to let them go back. If they no, have to boring. go back a little bit, it, it, it could be like a defeat. They could go back because of a defeat, but that defeat must make them at some point decide that they've got to go forward and they've got to conquer the ground right. that they've lost. And right. that's the part of the next element that we're going to discuss, and that's called pacing. How fast or how slow the vehicle should go for, for your story. Should the plot vehicle ever be slammed in reverse? The answer is no. And take the reader um, <laughs> to, because your story, your past, or your, your character's past are important, but there's another way to bring them in, and we'll talk about that very briefly tonight. Okay. Well, we don't need to be brief about anything. We've got 30 minutes left. We have been, we are so efficient tonight, Faye. I am so excited. We've got more to, to talk about on pacing. And so we might could go into some of these James Scott Bell stories. I'm kind of hoping for that. I, <laughs> okay. Now I'll tell you though, when it comes to pacing, I notice when it's not there, um, especially when I get proposals, book proposals from uh, from authors wanting to publish with Right Integrity Press, I notice when there's something off, and I wouldn't say, oh, they have a pacing issue. That's just not something that I necessarily would think of. But I notice when it's off. Um, I don't always notice when it is there, though. But it is a key element that really shows whether or not an author is ready for publication at all. Yes, it, it definitely is. It's one of the key elements that I see first. And well, I, um, go ahead. That's because you're you, <laughs> and I'm me. I don't I don't see it. You're just you've got more experience when it comes to that. Well, I think that you probably, like you said, you notice something's off, and that's that's what you when when you think something's off in the story. 
nine times out of 10, it's going to be pacing. The story is either going to be meandering, it's going to uh -huh. start in the wrong place. Maybe it should have started at chapter three instead of chapter one. Maybe it shouldn't have started 10 years in the past and not be a prologue. It should have started with, and, I, and I'm prefacing this because Storms and Serenity has a prologue that I tried to write out of it and it never worked. So I'm not one of these editors that say never do a prologue. Sometimes a prologue is necessary, but sometimes what a writer brings into the story from 10 years before is irrelevant to the story. And that's, that's a pacing problem too, because they really yeah. have not figured out what their story is about. And knowing what your story is about is important to pacing. Um, uh -huh. I've had some recently, I've been running into a lot of pacing problems and some edits. And one of the worst ways to ruin a plot is to write at a pace that doesn't match your genre or to forget to match the pacing of a particular type of a scene with what's going on in the scene. So, uh -huh. for example, I think of, of Elizabeth Nose, and I'm noise, noise. I, she's going to shoot me. <laughs> I call her bad. I ask her. And, um, I feel so bad. <laughs> it's noise. It's noise. <laughs> and I and I'm looking I'm looking here at my notes and I'm I'm pronouncing it as I do everything with my Southern flair. Um, but yeah. she has this wonderful series called the Imperfect series. And if you don't know Betty's work, she is a consummate writer of suspense thrillers, yes. and she adds that romance in there. And if oh, Betty Bookman, oh, they're awesome. I love Betty's work. Um, uh -huh. it, it, but if she brought me into this jungle, she has a jungle scene where the hero and the heroine and a bunch of uh, special forces guys are running from this really horrible cartel guy. And they're in the jungle. Now, if Betty had me with this hero and heroine and these guys, and they were just meandering around in the jungle and there was no sense of urgency to get away from this cartel guy, then I would be screaming foul. There's something wrong. If, if they don't have any urgency, why should I care what's going on with them? And, and then at the same time, she'll, she'll pour that action in and you're running right along with her. Uh, but she also has those romantic moments. And Betty knows how to stretch those moments. She And she actually <laughs> paces those moments with humor. If you really study Betty's work, she uh -huh. gives you a give, and a, a give and take between her hero and her heroine. And she'll slip in some humor. And then when the romance comes, you're like, oh, this is fantastic. You wanted them to be together. But then she'll pick right up and then there's an urgency because the hero or the heroine has to save one or the other. So I can't recommend those books enough. Now, yeah, there's and another I, she, well, she, but I, let me tell you though, on her books, I, I, she has got, she is just like you said, a master of romantic suspense and the thrillers. And one of the things that I noticed that she did uh, or that she does is as she's doing the intense parts, uh, especially the heavy suspense, she gives you a little break, a little breather, and not a break as in a break as in stepping down on the break, but she just, like you said, even if it's not romantic, she'll slow something down just a little bit and let you breathe 
before she yeah. picks it back up again. And that is really important, especially in those kinds of books. In the suspense books, you need to be able to breathe. You need to be able to stop and take a sip of your soda. I'm just saying. It, and if you've ever watched the show 24, you know uh-huh. how important those breathing moments are. 24 never gave you a moment to breathe. Uh-uh. And it uh-uh. was so intense, I had to back away from the story. Me too. Oh, my gosh. Me too. And and see, Hollywood thinks that that, that vast, intense, intense moment without a breather is important. I, It really is what ruined the series for me. I was into the story but I couldn't sustain all of that and I guess you have to be used to it but giving, the, so. giving just a little bit of breather is good and that's part of pacing as well I know we weren't intending on talking about it but that's very important you need to know when to dangle your reader off the cliff with your with your characters and when to have them just their their muscles so tense but then you have a moment and we're going to talk about that in conflict next month because that oh, okay. part it when you give your readers those moments it actually becomes a poignant moment for your reader in the midst of the conflict and it's something that they'll remember because I want to talk about my favorite movie when we talk about conflict next month um oh, okay but, Let's see, the, there, that's the major dynamic of pacing, but there's going to be more to it. We don't have a lot of time, but you said we do. So I might spend some Actually, time. Actually, we do. We have about 20 time. minutes left. Yeah, we have oh, 20 good. minutes left. Let's go into well, it. Well, let's, let's talk about backstory and why you should be very careful with backstory. Okay, but wait, before you talk about backstory, we talked about, um, mm-hmm. we oh, talked about romantic systems. But I also want to talk about, because you should, for those of y'all that don't know, Faye and I, even though we love talking, boy, we can talk and we will go around rabbit trails and talk about all kinds of stuff. And so we actually do put together a little bit of a script so we'll know kind of where we're going on this. So we'll try and stay with the script, which I'm not right now, just in case you were interested. But I'm not either. <laughs> There you go. That's okay. But Faye had mentioned to me that she was going to mention not only Betty Noyce, but she was also going to mention Betty Owens. Um, and if and for those of you that were actually listening at the very beginning, you heard that Betty Thomason Owens has a book that is 99 cents in a couple of weeks. This is a perfect opportunity for you to get a chance to see her kind of pacing, which Faye's about to talk about. The book is called Amelia's Legacy. It's on sale at 99 cents, not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday, and all during, I think it's Thanksgiving week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, It might be the week before, but I think it's I think it's Thanksgiving week. Anyway, you will love that book, one, and two, you're also going to get a taste of this kind of pacing for um it's a it's a totally different pacing from what elizabeth noyce does um in her romantic suspense betty owens writes historical romance and it is it's almost like a different creature so okay so talk to us about that one Faye. yeah if you read betty owens her historical romance the pace is a little slower and it should be in a historical novel because what you're doing is your um getting your reader acclimated to the time that they're in you're you're giving them the setting the readers are soaking in the setting and they're getting to know your characters and 
they and sometimes though there will be moments of danger in and amelia's legacy she's got um two or three times when betty's heroine is in trouble and she either will speed up the pace because she feels like she needs to to make her reader uh feel the urgency um of of saving someone or getting to someone or or whatever needs to happen she's speeding up that but then there are those times when scary things are happening and i talked about dangling your reader off a cliff those are times when the emotion goes slow there will be times when she when you as a writer want to suspend the motion so that the reader feels the buildup of of the the scare or what could be coming so when you're writing suspense when you're pacing suspense you have to look at your scene and say do my readers need an urgency to this like in in um elizabeth elizabeth's imperfect series there's a lot of moments where there are there's an urgency there's a getaway a flight and you want your reader to feel as if they're running and then there are the times like in betty's historical romances when you need to pull back and just let things evolve, let things go a little bit slower and build up that scare for the reader. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I want to go I want to go specific though. Um because there are actually some some tricks, some hints um and I and and specific ways that authors can slow that that down and speed it up. Um, I remember um, uh, one of my critique partners, uh, who is a multi-published author, she was trying to explain pacing to me, which I'm still not awesome at it, but she was trying to explain pacing to me back when I first started. And one of the things that she uses in her stories is when it gets to the time where it's intense, um, particularly in a man's POV, that the sentences will be clipped much shorter yeah. and uh and and that the times when when the pacing is slower and and the reader is drinking in the specific situation they'll use more elaborate uh description about different things um particularly in what you were saying earlier meandering that's such a great word mm -hmm. i f i find that in uh like in like in historical romances or even in contemporary romances as your as the the plot is slowing down or maybe the heroine or and hero start meeting each other just the very beginning all the little descriptors all the little dis definitions and describers and descriptive areas i'm using that word way too much but it's like the picture is painted and you can go at it nice and slow because that's when the relationship is moving nice and slow as they're just meeting for the first time or something and so those are things that can happen nice and slow another time when action can can it's not slow action but it feels slow is when something huge is happening um a battle scene um a car wreck if you think about it when those types of things happen it's almost like time stops and yeah. every little detail is part of it and it's almost like you use a magnifying glass on the action where 
especially the thoughts of the of the character, and of course the thoughts of the characters. You're, I know you're going to talk about this. Thoughts of the characters in a in a difficult time are going to stay focused on the difficult time. Um, yeah. But all the different things that they do, like in a in a car accident, if if someone were hitting you and you were seeing them coming, it's like they're coming in slow motion and you can't do anything to stop them and you'll whip the wheel one direction and whip the wheel the other direction and try and push down on the accelerator and feel the jolt of the car pushing you sideways and try again to to whip the wheel and slam on the brake. And I mean, everything is happening in a split second, but when you're writing about it, it might take a whole scene because yeah. everything is so because everything is so you, you analyze it so in such minutia uh, to allow the reader to feel it to allow the reader to experience it and also to allow the reader to wonder if you're going to make it through it you just want to I keep using the word you keep using descriptor and I keep using the word suspend you you want yeah. to make the reader wonder is she going to make it if that car goes over the cliff how's she going to survive so you want to you want to do and, and show everything that you said that you're showing um in in slow-mo so that the reader uh-huh. can't get there yet and they're they're wanting to get there and they're reading it they're right. reading it quicker than you're writing it um and the difference is it's like you know in rearview mirrors the movie rearview mirror with jimmy stewart and princess grace and she sneaks over oh, oh, to rear the, window, rear window, yeah, rear, window. Rear, rear window, rear, rear window. Oh, I love that movie. I love that yeah. movie. That's a pretty scary scene when, when Grace Kelly is over in Raymond Burr's area and they're watching her and they suspend that. That yes, is the kind of, it, that's they see what Raymond Burr about. coming back. Yes, they see Raymond Burr coming back and, and and Grace has Grace Kelly has no idea she's coming. That's right. You're right. That thing just drags yeah. on. Well, I can't say it drags on because it's so incredibly intense. I mean, you yeah. feel the the hairs creeping up on the back of your neck. Yes. And then then yes. you go to you go to Freddy Krueger, and you have him, and he's chasing you down the street or your character down the street. I'm just I've never seen a Freddy Krueger movie, but I know he's pretty scary. Um, yeah, and I mean, you are you are running, and it is you like you said, you're going to make short clip sentences. You're going to get that character right, out of right, there. right. And the problem that some authors have is sometimes when Freddy Krueger is chasing them down their character down the street, their character stops and smells the roses. Oh, <laughs> and they start thinking about the past, and oh, right. My dad did this to me, and and that's not the time for that. No, and that's what we were we were going to talk about with the with the backstory. This is why uh-huh. I say that backstory should never your front story should never leave your front story to go to backstory. Your backstory should fold in or layer in to your front story. So you never, that's why my plot vehicle doesn't have a break for the pacing. I don't want to slam my reader. I don't want to stop that front story and say, she thought about this, do, 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 do. And you go back to the past and then you say, he woke her out of her thoughts. That is a killer 
for me as an editor. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to acquire your magazine your magazine your book if that kind of writing is there because what uh-huh. you're doing backstory is the fodder for all the things that make the story worth reading. And yes. since we have a little bit of time, I do use my book Libby. Libby's story actually began when she was five years old. But I don't take the reader back to a birthday party that happened when she was five years old and say this happened. What I do with Libby is there are moments that come up of conflict, especially with her friend Sharice, and Uh she will comment about it. And you get a little sense that, oh, there was a pro- there was this thing in her past, and that's why Libby has problems with self-esteem. There's a reason, and it comes from her being five years old. I don't tell the reader what it is right away. I hint at it in conflict, in deep, in deep point of view, and in dialogue. Huh. And then the second time this, this thing is mentioned, Libby gets a little bit more in her friend's face about, you don't understand. You shouldn't be doing this. Because I can't handle rejection. My, oh. and she tells, she says what's going on. Then it, but when the truth finally hits, it's a little bit more than what's been hinted at. That and it's see. not that I'm, that, and, and, and there's, this is really important with backstory. It's not that your characters are keeping a secret away from your readers. There's a thin line that you're walking with backstory. You've got to make it realistic in your pacing so that the characters are just not, they're just, they're just being short with their answers or with their thoughts. And then when the time comes and you release that last bit of information, that makes an awesome twist or turn for your reader. Yeah. So I agree with you on that one. I agree with you. I practice that and I love practicing it. I love knowing what's going on in my characters' backstories, but the problem that some beginning writers have is that they know everything about their character and they want the reader to know it. They want everything. Yeah, that's right, especially at the beginning. And you just, you cannot do that at the beginning. You have to start the story. You know, like you said, drop in tidbits throughout throughout the story about their backstory, but don't give me... We always called it info dump. Don't give me info yeah. dump. I don't even want a paragraph. Of I don't even want a sentence of info dump. Just drop in the details here and there that, that go through it. What are some other things about um, pacing as far as like layering? Well, what's been driving me batty lately, or I should say battier, is that when I read a book and there's a drop in or a dropping of the plot, and uh-huh. that has everything to do with pacing. And that's called the layering part. Um, uh-huh. Say I have a scene where the characters are all together. I followed them from point A to point B. Now, I've been with them the whole time. I'm the reader. I've been reading the book. And <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. when they get from point to point B, I learned that something happened at point A. Yet as the reader, I had no, I didn't see that. So the first thing that I oh, did as a reader or editor is I go back and I think, did I have short-term memory loss? And I, you know, go back through the pages and I read it. And then I get really upset because I was there with those characters. You could have added that into me 
in for me. Um, why didn't you share it with me? What the writer's done is they've upset their reader by dropping something in. And it's very easy to see those drop in plots. I use the example mm -hmm. of if you're going to have, if you're going to use a gun, if your character needs a gun in chapter nine, let them see the gun and the desk that they're going to pull it from in chapter one, two, three, four, before we get to that scene. So that when the character pulls the gun out, it's not a drop in plot device. Yeah, and that's very, very important. And I run across that. And I don't know if it's it's the fact that maybe the the writers that I'm reading, they thought that they had layered it in, and they forgot. Or sometimes I think it's just a lazy way of writing. It's just oh, okay, it's okay, okay, okay. I got to tell you, I'm convicted because you caught me in that. Um, those of y'all that are listening, Faye actually edited one of my books just recently, and one of my characters mentioned late in the book that his dad had issues and didn't like this one other character in the story. And Faye's like, wait a minute, this is the first we've heard about it? I don't think so. And she ended up going back in my story and saying, okay, here you need to add oh, my dad doesn't like this guy. Here you need to add, oh, he really doesn't like this guy. Here you need to add, oh, he doesn't have anything nice to say about this guy. Because I hadn't mentioned it before the part when it was important to mention it. And boy, she got me good, but in a very nice way, because she's extremely good about giving suggestions. And so I, I'll let you know, I have fixed that area. <laughs> I don't want people to think that I was calling for you to be redundant. It was just like maybe no, you no, drop no. in a different kind of a hint. No, yes, you're right. So redundant. Then that's a part of, I didn't even think about that as a part of pacing. Your readers don't yes. need to be hit over the head with what's going on. They really are. If you're, if you are writing your story well, your readers won't have to be hit over the head with anything. Well, and, and one but, of my critique partners used to call it resist the urge to explain. Don't yeah. treat your readers like they're stupid. Let them, they, yeah. they get it. You know, if they're with you and if you're writing well, they are right there with you. You don't need to come back and say, well, she was actually thinking this was going on. You know, you don't have to do that. Um, no. So anyway, but, I'm but sorry. That's, that's <laughs> I, I just got a phone you. call. It just moved away. I'm sorry. I just got a phone call that had to move away. <laughs> but that is part layering. of layering. Yes. And layering is a skill that I actually tried to teach this. And these poor people that endured the first class that I taught where we reread things over and over again so that they could see where things could be layered in. And I could not figure out how I could teach it. It's just I'm not bragging here. There are certain things that some writers, they are natural to them. Layering, and I've said this before, because my, because my grandmother, when I was five years old, I watched soap operas with her. Oh, soap wow. Soap operas are all about layering. And I think that even though that's an ungodly, I have, I have done a vow off of soap operas. I think it's an ungodly <laughs> yes. way to learn writing. But I did learn layering from those soap operas. And yes, I, bet I you tried did. to teach it. And it was, it was so funny because these poor people, they, they really, they were my friends and they were in a conference with me and they really stuck to it. 
but about two or three years ago, I was watching the movie Back to the Future. Uh-huh. And I said, I looked at my husband and I said, that's layering. And I said, I can teach this. And I used Back to the Future to teach a course on what layering is all about. And if you want to know about it, you can watch that movie. And you'll notice that even from the opening credits, before one word is spoken, Steven Spielberg is layering in things that the reader needs to know. And I'm not going to spoil it because I think it's a great exercise. Now, there are some cuss words. I never realized this 80s movie has some foul language in it. I know. And I, but, and I had to, when I was clipping, when I was showing the, the movie, I was clipping scenes and I was clipping around the taking of the Lord's name in vain and things like yeah. that. So I don't want you yeah. to go into it if you've never seen it. <laughs> I, I'm really it careful with that. I don't, I don't know how I missed all of those when I was a teenager, but boy, there really are an awful lot of them. But you're right. Spielberg is good with that. I'm going to have to grab that movie and take a look at it again. Um, I am I just so glad. To... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I watched it so many times that I had thought I had picked up on, oh, there's a layering problem here. And I realized, no, there's no, there's nothing with layering. The only thing I found wrong in that movie was a plot device. And it's not that it was dropped in. It was that when it comes into the movie, it uh-huh. should have garnered a response from one of the characters, and it didn't. And that oh, was I'm going to have to look at it now. You have, <laughs> you have laid down the gauntlet. Oh, Faye, I'm so glad you were here tonight. Uh, you know, this show would have been a little on the quiet side, especially with the pacing, if you hadn't been here. That is just a polish that will show up to an agent or an editor. And it'll show it whether or not you as a writer, and I'm talking to you listeners, if you're serious or committed to your writing career and ready to move on to the next level. So I'm so glad that Faye was joining us tonight so that she could tell us about pacing. Thank you, Faye. Thank you, Margie. And I enjoy talking with you so much. I know. We get it. we have a fun when we're talking. All right. The rest of you guys, okay, next month is our last one on the elements of story. And I'm going to see if I can't persuade Faye to keep hanging around a little bit because she's so much fun to talk with and she's got so much expertise. But we are talking dialogue to finish up our discussion about the key elements of fiction. And don't forget, we are also talking conflict and conflict is so key so if you have any questions for me or for Faye send us an email at downpublishinglane at gmail.com now lane is l-a-i-n-e so make sure you it's my middle name so l-a-i-n-e downpublishinglane at gmail.com if we end up using one of your questions on the air you will win a print copy of an outstanding Otherwise, and so make sure if you do have a question, by all means, please email us because you could end up winning a free book out of the, out of the bargain. Otherwise, join us the first Tuesday night of next month, which is, I'm looking at my notes, December 5th. It's at 7 p.m. Central, and I hope to hear you then. Until then, happy writing. Oh, and definitely have a month full of blessings because for blessings and gratitude. I hope you find many, many things to be thankful for this month. 
This has been Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y dot com.